Welcome to the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit, the number one place for inspiration to help you start, run, or grow a winning business. I'm Johnny Quirk, and each week we bring you some amazing guests from a wide variety of businesses, all talking about their journey, motivations, and top tips for entrepreneur success. We deliberately aim to bring you stories, interviews, and real people who are fully deep in the trenches, building their businesses, and sharing actionable insights that you can use for your own entrepreneurial business journey. So whatever you're building, we're excited to be part of that journey with you. If you like what we do, don't forget to subscribe, and let's get on with the show. Hey guys, Johnny Quirk, back once again here to support your entrepreneurial journey. Okay, cool. So today I'm delighted on the Go Solo show that we have Martin SFP Bryant from Big Revolution. Martin, welcome to the show. Hello, Johnny. Great to have you here. And um, basically, can I just maybe ask in your own words, how would you describe your business and what is it that you do? So Big Revolution is a uh, basically a, 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 an agency, I suppose, would be one way of putting it, a consultancy um, yeah. for working with tech for tech companies, working with tech companies and um, uh, helping them uh, with their communication. So that can be PR, but it can also very much be branding. It can be making sure essentially that they're telling the right story about what they do, because uh, a lot of the companies I work with, uh, they, they have great tech. Uh, but uh, when it comes to actually describing it and framing it in terms of um you know putting it to market in an interesting way um sometimes they just need a little bit of help with that and often you can get to that simply by yeah. talking to them and once you've talked to them and you understand where they're coming from putting it into words is, is a lot easier um it's also a vehicle for all the other things i do as well so i've got a youtube channel and a newsletter and uh, all the things that as a former journalist i uh, i you know the itch i have to scratch <laughs> yeah you're a busy guy i see obviously you do an awful lot you know obviously we've been friends for many years and it's great obviously to see that you kind of almost like have this spider of like little kind of things flying off in terms of what you obviously do on a daily basis. Are your kind of customers at the moment, I'm interested to know about the business model. So uh, I don't need to pry into too many private secrets here, Martin, so don't worry. But, um, you know, do you have, you know, like more customers on retainer or basically do you kind of do one offs or is it a bit of a hybrid of both? How, how is your business model? How does that work? It's a hybrid of both. I, I don't try to cajole companies into going on retainer if they don't need it. Um, I yeah. think, um, especially if you look at the PR side of things, I think a lot of tech companies are pushed into uh, long running, especially for startups, are pushed into these long running retainer agreements where, yeah. you know, they might have, oh, we'll, we'll work with you for six months and we need that time to, to make sure we build up your profile. But the fact is that a lot of the time, if you're a, a B2B tech startup, when are the press going to be interested? Generally, yeah. when you've got something to announce, which is around a funding announcement or whatever. So um, so I tend to work more in short bursts with companies. Um, there are companies I work with uh, on a more long-term basis, uh, yeah. if that's what they need. But really, it's down to what they need rather than what I need, which uh, you, know, you could say isn't the best way to grow a business, but I'd rather grow a business the right way for my clients than the right way for me. Yeah, and I think that's very, very sensible. I mean, we're all running our own race and doing it how we want. And like you said, you know, in terms of building a reputation and the likes, you know, you can have a great relationship with long-term clients, but also be there when they need you, I guess. So plus if, you know, build up that reputation mm. of announcing a series B, whatever, then, you know, they know that you're a trusted pair of hands for it. So um, you mentioned obviously before that you're a journalist, obviously in a, in a previous life, if you will do, um, you know, when when became the decision to set up your own business? You know, have you always kind of had an entrepreneurial 
side inside of you? I know you've been into tech and startups really since the kind of dawn of that, but you know, what kind of almost kind of made you say, right, I'm going to go alone. I'm going to create my own business. You know, is it in the family? Is it something you want to do yourself? Has it been a gradual thing? Tell me all about it. No, not at all. It's certainly not a um, certainly not a family thing. Um, uh, my my mum was a teacher. My dad was a bus driver, um, right. and uh, you know, great people. I thought you know, just not entrepreneurial. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they, they didn't have um, they didn't have their own businesses or anything like that. And um, I never thought entrepreneurship was me at, for me at all. I um, you know, it, at school it was the thing that Richard Branson did. And if you were you know a certain kind of person, maybe you could be an entrepreneur. But it was yeah, never yeah. something that was dived into in much detail at school. And so I, it's not something I ever really thought about. And as I got older, I you know, saw people start businesses and I thought I can never do that because you know, I don't I, I don't know how to do that, you know, mm. and um, I don't have the right idea. But as I, you know, I went to, you know, got a bit older, went through life a little bit more, carried on working in various jobs, uh, started a career as a tech journalist and uh, kind of built my way up through that. I realized that what I was doing constantly while I was working for a company was asking for permission to do extra things. So I was always saying, oh, could I, you know, is it okay if I leave a bit early to go on TV to do this or... I, I'm doing this big project, you know, which involves setting up an event. Um, yeah. Can I go and do that? And it's it's tangentially uh, in, uh, related to what we do um, as a business, so it's kind of okay. Um, and yeah. I realised that actually I'm I'm much better and more comfortable doing my own thing and leading my own path than I am yeah. as an employee generally. Um, and that's not to say I'll never be an employee ever again, but yeah. it would have to be the right role at the right company. Um, and at the moment, I feel a lot happier doing my own thing. So at, at some point, it was just like I, I burst, and it was it was time uh, I yeah. had to do it. So so I thought, right now, now or never, let's do it. Let's start a business. I think that's interesting. I mean, the way you said it, you know, like here at Go Solo, using Subkit, you know, we talk a lot about side hustles, side gigs, you know, and and sometimes you know nature finds its way. I don't know if that's some kind of quasi quote from Jurassic Park or something that I've stolen there, but you know, it, it, as you said, if it was something that you were moving into anyway, in terms of spending your days thinking, oh, I can do a bit here, I can do a bit there, you know, I guess you know you've built that audience and that reputation, then you kind of do it. Um, this isn't on my list of questions to ask you, but it makes sense to ask you now. Um, was there ever a point when you said, I want to be the next, you know, and, and again, I use this in the best possible way, the next Zuckerberg or the next Musk or, you know, ha because you've been covering tech for so long in startups, have you ever said, do you know what, I want to be a CEO or a CMO or something of a, a fast moving uh, startup or has journalism been your passion? So this is the perfect business for you. Uh, well, I've I, I probably thought, you know, there are times where I've thought, oh, I'd like to do my own startup. But if I did, I would have to have the right idea. Yeah. And I've never had that one idea that I thought, this is the problem I want to solve. This is the problem I want to uh, make, you know, better for the world. And because I've not had that, I'm not the kind of person who's going to go and say, right, I'm going to do six months of scouting around looking for business problems to solve. You know, mm. I'm not I'm not an MBA type person. So yeah. uh, that just wouldn't interest me. But if the right problem came along that I could solve through a tech company, then yeah. I may well do it. Uh, but no, not not as of yet. <laughs> You heard it here first. It's like, keep those ideas to yourself, otherwise Martin might be writing them down. <laughs> but no, it's true. I think that you can, you know, it's a, we're all hoping to, uh, you know, like crack a big problem one day and, you know, look at potentially something. But 
I think, like you said, unless that kind of right idea really falls in and your fire's in your belly to do that, then it's great. And I guess you're in a perfect situation because you're doing something that you love every day. It's obviously a great business, but also, you know, you're exposed to startups and that kind of way of thinking. I guess you can, you know, tell what trends are coming out as well and kind of what the market needs. So we're going to cover that a little bit later as well. Um, so we're big fans of planners here. You know, we're big planners here at Subkit. You know, like we all are, you know, working about how we best spend our days. And I'm very interested in terms of how you manage your days because you do an awful lot. I mean, you started off this um, this, this call basically saying that you, you know, like you're doing all sorts of things, your YouTube channels, you, you know, you're very, very active on Twitter, et cetera. How do you plan your days? You know, what's your kind of method to make sure that you start Monday in the right possible way and by Friday you go, wow, I, I feel very happy with what I've got done. Uh, so I organize myself really simply. Um, I, I think people can overthink productivity and have loads of different tools. And uh, for me, I like simplicity. So yeah. I have a Trello board that I have my long-term projects on. And so, you know, if I've got a client uh, that I'm talking to, they might start on the left-hand side. And as we move towards, yes, we're serious about it. And then it's yeah. definitely booked in. It's going to happen soon. This is something I need to work on now. And it's done. Fantastic. And it moves across like that. Uh, but then for just day-to-day, -day, making sure I get the little bits and of all these different projects done and everything else i need to do done it's a simple text document it's a, it's a google keep uh, document yeah. so it's just i've got a, a list monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and on it through the week i'll i'll just say on you know if on monday I realize, or on thursday i've got to do that i'll just write a sentence about it but then when it gets to the day before for the next day i write 9 a.m write newsletter 10 45 email 11 o'clock call with johnny yeah 12 o'clock well you know that uh, and i'll break it down really specifically um and then i can you know and usually i kind of get it roughly right how long i need for each thing yeah uh, but that helps make sure that i get through the day and i've done everything uh, in order um but uh but the, the you know people who have massively complicated systems and uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, timing systems where you know an alarm an alarm stops them working every 25 minutes so they can go and do a different task and things that's uh, that's overthinking it in my book but yeah uh, I've tried each that. yeah i've tried that before myself i mean i'm a bit like yourself you know i know what i need to work out i try and think in a kind of macro way as well of like where we're heading in 12 18 24 months but ultimately it comes from you know working out what you've done that day and then potentially moving some stuff over you know maybe starting with four or five things you wanted to get done one is always going to slip. I'm quite happy to say <laughs> there's always one thing on my list that doesn't quite yeah. make the cut. That's when it's kind of Friday afternoon yeah. to get it all done. But, you know, I feel I feel kind of like, it. you know, I get there at the end of the day. And um, I'm interested to know as well, seeing it's obviously a very topical uh, question right now, you know, how did COVID affect your business? I mean, what were those kind of early emotions that you had in terms of COVID? You know, has there been much impact on your business? At first, I was worried. Obviously, I think everyone everyone was worried, weren't they? Like, it, it, what will happen to our business? And there's total uncertainty because we've never been through this before, uh, where suddenly, you know, in in March, suddenly everything stopped. And uh, in you know, in March, for a little while, basically everything stopped. You know, it did stop. You know, people stopped doing what they were doing because they they were like, we don't know what we're doing now. We we have to put things on hold. Um, very little work continued. Um, I was lucky that although some things did get cancelled. Uh, yeah. Some people wanted to carry on with, with what they were doing around that time. And then as we got into April and May and people started to realize, oh, actually, you know, tech companies at least certainly can continue doing a lot of what they do. Yeah. And in many cases, there's more demand for what they're doing than before. 
for tech companies and for people like me who work with tech companies, it meant that there hasn't actually been that much of a difference. Um, yeah. And uh, I've been kept very, very busy through the year. So um, I, although there are definitely opportunities that yeah. have either been delayed indefinitely or put on ice, at the same time, lots of new things have come through anyway. So uh, I'm lucky um, so far that uh, the pandemic hasn't affected me in any uh, yeah. serious way. I can see that. I mean, you know, with working with a lot of startups in the past myself, you know, it was very interesting to see some business models, unfortunately, weren't COVID proof, but actually some really were and some actually mm. the opportunity kicked in. You know, we, we hate to use the word opportunity amongst all this, you know, in a global pandemic, but that's what's going to happen. And I guess some businesses are now coming out of, you know, in a really great way. Hopping, for example, has just had runaway success, you know, Shopify, these kind of businesses, mm. which are perfect for COVID. Um, but then also, you know, I guess you think, you know, look at Airbnb. I mean, not even just talking about the market value when they listed on the stock market last week, um, or obviously recently, but basically in terms of, um, you know, they reinvented their model. They've, they've kind of, you know, like almost, you know, they've mm. got to do quite well about it with domestic bookings and the likes as well. So it's very, very interesting, I think, in terms of that. So I guess you have got so much to cover because you're actually playing your part right in the middle of history right now. Cool. So I'm interested. You've worked, Martin, with a lot of big tech companies. You've been to a lot of conferences. You've had a lot of support with these guys. Where do these opportunities come from? I, you know, when we interview entrepreneurs on here, some amazing opportunities land on their lap. Whereas for other people, they're really out there pushing it and basically trying to do an awful lot of business development. Where do you get these big opportunities from and how do you really get into these gatekeepers? You know, we're interested to know kind of like how you've managed to get such big names as, as you know, as business partners in the past. Uh, it's it's. I think for some people, it's a very active thing, isn't it? You know, you're actively going out there and uh, and uh, kind of networking and doing that kind of thing. For me, I've always let things happen to me, which isn't the best way of doing it at all. Yeah. And uh, yes, I do chase some things. You know, if an opportunity arises and I hear about an opportunity, I will chase it. Yeah. But generally... Um, just just through doing good work and being known and talking to people uh, just generally out of interest talking to yeah. people rather than saying i'm you know here's a business you know you come and work with me um i don't like doing that and the whole spamming people on linkedin thing and all that yeah, kind of yeah. thing um uh, you, you, I, I i get so many people on linkedin who who uh I'd uh, send me a, a, a connection request and they're like, I work with businesses like you to accelerate your growth. I was like, well, yeah. this, you're about the fifth person this week who, who's, who's, yeah. who's added me yeah. who, who says they do this and there's no differentiation there. And uh, you're just this faceless person. Um, yeah. Not not literally faceless, but you know, there's, there's nothing, <laughs> you know, I don't know anything about you. So, so I prefer the gradual building up of the business through having a name and people, you know, reputation and people knowing who you are yeah. and, uh, and growing connections, being, being referred word of mouth growth. Um, I prefer that. And that's partly, you know, I'll be honest, that is partly down to just the amount of capacity I have to do things. So yeah. I've, if I'm busy working with the clients, it's very hard to then have time to tee up the next clients. And sometimes that means you get to a point where, you know, you've just finished a big project and so it's like 
I've got nothing for the next two weeks. What am I going to do? And um, uh, partly that's how, for example, the YouTube channel started because I, I did have a quiet patch for a week or two. And it's like, yeah. well, what am I going to do? Well, I've always wanted to do a YouTube channel. Let's do it. And um, so, so, so I keep busy. Uh, yeah. um, but also at that point, that's when I start, you know, reaching out a bit more to clients. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think generally it's about uh, about word of mouth and natural growth. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And also, I like what you just said about your YouTube video and YouTube channel, you know, the fact that you've got to almost like sow these seeds and see where see what they will grow into. So yeah. you know, if you have that fallow Absolutely. Period. But yeah, and, and it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also that directly led to um, a couple of um, bits of work coming in uh, my way from people who saw videos and went, Oh, hang on a second, this guy could do what we need. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, just just doing it, it was partly to scratch an itch, but partly a way of growing the name of uh, the, the big revolution name and uh, the name of what I was doing. Um, and uh, it, it's worked, although the downside of it is then you become too busy to do a daily or weekly or whatever video. I never plan to do daily. That's far too much. Um, that's pro yeah. YouTuber stuff. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to make it your your income stream uh, for life and be, you know, a, a professional YouTuber, that's, that's all you do, then doing you know video every day it, the, the algorithm pushes you towards doing that yeah. um i wanted to do one a week at first but uh but it, it, at the moment it's more like one a month but um well yeah. uh, I'm, I'm sure the, the pace will pick up again it's a big commitment isn't it to doing that um you know I, I but i think it's interesting especially what you actually just mentioned about linkedin as well because you know i think linkedin is almost you know linkedin a great resource obviously for business brilliant there's many ways you can use it but it has probably over the last three or four months, I think, even the last six months, got even more spammy than usual. It seems like it's it's almost like it's too much hard work to almost go on it now because the amount of requests and spams, <laughs> would you like to sign up to this page and whatever, it's just you get there and it's not really a pleasant experience where it used to be a case of like, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing who's in, you know, this business or opportunities or events near me. So I'm obviously not saying LinkedIn is, is is dying. If anything, it's kind of roaring on all cylinders, really. You're firing all cylinders. But I think it's interesting to know kind of what comes next, really, after that, where people can start to make more business connections that are more genuine, really, until that becomes a, you know, uh, you know, a supernova or something that starts to burn out as well from overuse. What's your thought? <laughs> you know, are there any other platforms coming out where you would yeah. say? You know, well, every, every year or two, um, something will come along that people say, oh, this is the new LinkedIn. And uh, they tend to have a very viral approach to getting people to sign up, but then yeah. nothing happens with them. And I had another one the other week. Um, I forget the name of it now, but uh, you know, I, I dis discounted it because uh, I was like, oh, it's just going to be another one of these ones where you sign up and then nothing ever happens with it and yeah. everyone stays on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I, I think LinkedIn's problem is partly its own, it, you know, it's pushing to, to grow always pushing to grow and so uh, they try new things and new kinds of notifications and things and that's that's what any social network does it's partly i think down to the fact that because of the kind of year we've had um mm. in 2020 with uh the whole uh, you know people being laid off and people trying to forge their own path you have a lot yeah. of people trying to forge their own path on linkedin and trying to develop their name and uh, part of that is reaching out to new people saying hey i'm a consultant i'm available um but I think people forget how spammy that is. And it's not necessarily the, it's an easy way to try and grow your network, but it's not necessarily the most effective way. 
Yeah, you're right. There's an awful lot of noise out there. You know, I'm sure maybe on a daily basis, I get, you know, a few, maybe maybe say one that would be a really great quality contact. But when you're having to wade through four, five, six or whatever, which are just kind of <laughs> something, you just go, Ugh. and then like, when can I get off sort of thing? But like you said, yeah. well, I think it's kind of interesting, you know, the, the opportunity to network in real life and build up those genuine relationships as well have disappeared this last year as well. So it's very interesting. It'll, again, it'll be interesting to see where LinkedIn takes it because, you know, obviously we all want to develop those strong partnerships, which are useful for everybody. We all want to add value to each other's lives. And I think you want to build up the valuable ones where both of you win for the connection, both of you win for the partnership. It shouldn't just be like, can you do this for me? Yeah. You will get this sort of thing. So um, we're moving through to the part of the show now, Martin, where we ask our entrepreneurs who come on the show for some of their top tips for other entrepreneurs about how to grow their business as well. So as you know, we're all about empowering entrepreneurs to you know, do things which are really going to help them and build a sustainable, you know, organically growing business. So one thing we always ask is, is, you know, I think I think it's kind of quite, you know, common knowledge really that probably the best thing to do really to start off with is to grow an audience to start off with you know no audience no real kind of way of selling anything and you know selling things you know like obviously you can spend loads of money on facebook ads social ads whatever you know but ultimately that's probably not what you want to do you want to build up probably a very genuine audience to start off with really of, of advocates and potential leads and customers so i'm just interested you know what kind of tips you would give maybe for people who are maybe starting out from scratch, you know, how in today's modern online world would they build an audience? Um, you've got, you know, loads of Twitter followers, you've got like 25,000, but I know that's been carefully curated through the years. But, you know, if someone was starting out right now, how would you suggest they build an audience? Yeah, uh, well, it's really down to consistency and a passion and focus for what you what you share and what you talk about uh and i'm not the best example of this at all uh most of my growth on twitter for example came when i was a tech journalist and i was every day publishing uh tech news i was talking about tech news i was uh, every day i i was you know very fast to say oh google's just acquired this company or whatever yeah you know, whatever the tech news was uh i was one of the people who's talking about it first and so people followed me for that and uh, I've still got that network on there and, you know, people still follow me on Twitter, but uh, it's, it's definitely slowed down. And um, I think part of that is the fact that I'm not that consistent. So I'm not a great example of this. So I will literally use Twitter for whatever I'm interested in. So yeah. yes, it is. A lot of it is tech or tangentially tech related, but I will talk about um, what's happening in Manchester where I live, you know, if, if yeah. I think, you know, there's, there's a broader point to be made uh, with it um, or what I'm watching on television or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so, so that's not the best way to do it. I think a great <laughs> example of someone who's doing it really well is somebody I do a lot of work with uh, a guy called Matt Navarra. And yeah. uh, so he is a social media consultant and I do a uh, podcast with him called Geek Out with Matt Navarra, um, where we interview uh, social media executives from a lot of the big companies and other figures in the social media world. Uh, we've kind of put that on ice in recent months, but uh, we do hope to come back to it soon. Uh, the other thing we do is a newsletter, um, uh, uh, Geek Out uh, newsletter, uh, which is uh, under Matt's name, but I'm the editor. So I, I work with him on that every week. And uh, so what I find is good about his approach and how he builds an audience is he is consistently on, on social media, whether it's Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Facebook, he is posting every day 
all sorts of social media news, whether it is, you know, Facebook um, has been hit with an antitrust suit or whether it's LinkedIn is trying a new tiny little new test that is going to be very slightly different for a few people um, who are using the service. Or, you know, it's here's a top top tip or trick for using social media. And he posts loads of these every day. Yeah. He's, 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 he's just it's just something he's interested in. He's obsessed with and You know, he, he's fascinated by it and it's his passion. Yeah. So he does that. And people in the social media industry come to him for that information. And then the media come to him because, they, oh, he's a big name in social media because he knows all this stuff about it. Let's get him on Sky News or whatever to talk about the, the latest uh, story. And so he's really built that up and he's built up a business working, offering social media advice to uh, tech companies and to media companies, etc. Um, just through having this very strong online brand and uh, yeah. you know, experience of working with uh, companies in the past. But that consistency uh, was a key. Like, and part of the reason he can be so consistent is because he actually really likes it. He actually is very into it. And so the other thing is being really passionate about it. So if you're trying to build up a name in something you think you should probably do, because there's probably some money in it, but you're not actually interested in it, then you're going to find it harder because your lack of passion will really show if you're just sharing a few links every every now and then uh, to some news stories. Yeah. But you're not actually showing any expertise or real interest in it. And that shows. And so linking up that consistency with the passion is, is key, I think. Yeah, I think they're all really great tips. And yeah, I do you know, follow Matt as well. And you're right, you know, there's some really interesting stuff that obviously comes out from him. Um, but also I listen to the podcast. I do hope it comes back as well, Martin, you know, my, you know, my, my cleaning chores or whatever <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah. I haven't been the same since, but I mean, bottom line is you're right, you know, being genuine, I think is so important because actually, like you said, having a love for it, consistency, I think you're right, you know, like you know, both of you are very, very visible online, but I think probably being that authority as well, maybe I think is a point you were just making, you know, is, you know, is that your thing? Like you said, you could be talking about tech one minute, but then talking about something that's very, very local and maybe some of your followers don't, aren't that interested in it. I'm the same, you know, I'll talk about mm, what on TV yeah. you know, and then I might be posting something else to do with tech, but you're right. I think having that authority piece, I guess, kind of brings you in that audience because they know in a, in a, no in a world of noise, that maybe they only want to listen to four or five people who they can genuinely kind of trust as well. It, this kind of follows on to my next question, which we always ask as well. Um, so, you no, know, your content and social presence is, is, you know, is vibrant. You know, it's like you, you know, you're doing all sorts of things. We touched on the YouTube channel and the likes of that. But I'm interested on your social presence as well, because, you know, you're, you're kind of always on. Um, and that's that's difficult, I find, you know, in terms of for myself, because again, I'm a planner, so I'm kind of having my day and then I'm like, oh no, I've got to get out some tweets or whatever, or I haven't even been on Twitter all day. What's your kind of way for doing that? You mentioned before you had a, a strong capacity for doing work and actually doing the likes, but how, how are you always on? Like, what's your technique for actually making sure your brain can be in numerous places at the same time? Please tell me something that I can use as well, because I need this. I wouldn't recommend... Yeah, well, first of all, I wouldn't recommend being always on. I was I was more always on than I am now um, when I was a journalist. And I would literally, you know, 
constantly be looking for tech news constantly, like every day, seven days a week, I would be constantly checking to make sure that uh, the next webinar I worked, that we were covering everything we should be covering. And, yeah. uh, you know, I would constantly have your know, Twitter lists and all sorts of things that I check constantly to make sure that we never missed a thing. And it, it, it was draining and um, I needed to stop after a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But some of that never goes. Uh, basically, one thing I have in my browser, uh, I have a tab, a pinned tab. So, you know, in browsers, you can you can pin tabs. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're always there. And um, one of the tabs I pin is TweetDeck. Uh, so uh, this is a Twitter app uh, yeah. made by Twitter. And uh, it's a different view of Twitter where it's got columns. So you can have a column for your main feed of all of the people that you follow. You can have your mentions, uh, your DMs and things, but you can also have searches and you know, all kinds of different um, feeds coming into it. Um, uh, other people's feeds, you know, that kind of thing. You, you can see uh, lots of information very quickly. And so basically as I'm working, I can't help it. It's not, it's not like a deliberate strategy. I just click over to TweetDeck, see what's happening. I can very quickly check uh, the tech news because I've got a tech news um, column. I can quickly check uh, the political news as well. And there's, uh, I've got a column for that. And then I can quickly, you know, comment on that or, you know, reply to somebody. Um, so, uh, so I do that through the working day. And then in the evenings, I just look at my phone too much. It's, there's nothing more, more you know, there's no secret other than I, I look at my phone a lot. And um, the, twi the Twitter app is a place that my thumb tends to default to on the screen. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the more you, the more you look at uh, a social network that you're interested in, the more you're likely to engage with it. So th there's no real tip. Um, if you're the kind of person who has to make time for it, then you're maybe just not that into it, and that's fine. Uh, one way you can, uh, if you if you don't have a lot of time, uh, but you want to share things through the day, uh, use something like Buffer. Um, or Twitter on the web has um, scheduling built into it these days. So you can actually uh, tweet something, but set it up so that it's scheduled to tweet three hours later. And then through the day, you can be getting on with whatever you're doing, knowing that tweets are going out. Um, that obviously means you're not engaging with anyone who might reply to those tweets, but yep. it at least gets your face on there through the day. Um, the only, I'm a little wary about doing that because I always think like, what if I tweet this, but then there's some big world news event and suddenly I look really crass for tweeting. <laughs> Here's a funny thing I saw on the internet earlier when everyone's yeah. talking about some awful terrorist attack or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a tricky thing as well. I guess, you know, being tech journalist yourself or at least in that realm right now it's you know that you can't miss a big story as well like you know who knows what that kind of big story is i remember I'm trying to think who it was it was like over the thanksgiving was it maybe the slack uh purchase by salesforce i think and i remember listening to equity tech crunch uh, podcast and they were saying like you know literally the the word out on the street happened just before the thanksgiving holiday and all journalists were going into meltdown <laughs> information, you know, like you've got to tell us some news because we're all supposed to be going to visit family and stuff. So I guess you want to be the one who breaks it, or at least, you know, you can't be tweeting about it three or four days later going, oh, look, I read about this in the newspaper. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, if I if it's something, yeah, if it's something I missed, then I tend to just not uh, not tweet about it. You know, if, if it's if it's something that happened yesterday, I won't tweet saying oh have you heard so and so happened i'll just not mention it or i'll have a, a take on it or something you know a, a spin on it yeah yeah i guess you can give that kind of deeper analysis you don't want to be the guys at the last guys the party or something like that and uh, the party's already happened <laughs> so it's very important so 
Yeah. Another thing you've mentioned in terms of you've um, recently set up a YouTube channel. Congratulations. So have we, which is great. You know, I think we're both learning and stuff. And, you know, I know obviously you've been doing video and podcasting for a long time, but have you got any tips in terms of people who would be looking to record video? You know, a lot of entrepreneurs that we work with, you know, they're starting to record their own video on demand series, you know, their own kind of, you know, video one-to-ones. Just interested in knowing kind of like any tips that you maybe would give for, you know, being able to kind of run great video. Uh, do you mean in terms of actually recording the video or in terms of what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, basically just in terms of being natural, because I think, you know, when when you do your videos, I remember you saying, you know, obviously they take quite a long time to do. I mean, I think when people see video online, they might think, oh, it's a one take or something or, or whatever. And sometimes it is, but, you know, sometimes <laughs> it requires like, you know, lots of editing as well. You know, what's your maybe some tips in terms of how you would maybe approach doing that for the first time just to get more natural, maybe in front of the camera? You know, like, are you using any tips for, you know, like uh, auto cues or are you using anything which, you know, like, are you recording in 60 second bursts? Just interested maybe for a few tips in terms of if somebody needed to start recording a video session in front of the camera. You know, how would they do it? Well, if if you can get an auto cue set up, it, it can be really really useful. Um, I, I I shouldn't really call it an auto cue. That's a brand name. There are other um, oh, no. auto cue like things even have available. Place but you need to get, get get sponsored by yeah, yeah get sponsored by auto cue. But um, yeah yeah but uh, but if you can get one of those, they can be quite useful if you can read it because because. The way it works is the 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 um the text goes in front of the camera lens so yeah. that you look like you're looking straight into the camera but you're also reading if you can do that at the right uh, get the text to scroll at the right speed so that you're re- it doesn't look like you're reading it and your eyes are darting backwards and forwards and you can do it naturally which just takes practice really and self self-critically looking at footage you've recorded of, of yourself doing it um I think generally the way I mean the way I do it uh, when I'm recording my YouTube videos is I have a um, an iPad on my lap which has my notes and mm-hmm. some of it is actual script and some of it is just cover these four bullet points but generally having an actual script is a lot better because that means you're actually going to be very clear in what you say and uh, you're going to be very um, you're going to be very comprehensive in the way you, you present it and uh, you'll have a logical a you know abc you know start middle end kind of approach rather than if you're just talking then you might waffle um, and uh, it, yeah. it can be a bit harder and as, certainly as soon as i go a bit off script i find myself waffling a bit too much um you know and so I try to avoid doing that. Uh, so, but, but obviously, you can't look down. I can't look down and read a script on my lap. So it's a case of yeah, I tend to record in. I mean, if I can, I, I'll one take it. But it's not. It's, it's very rare yeah. uh, that you can do like five minutes in one take because you've got so much to remember. So one take. One trick is to just record as much as you can, talking naturally, uh, remembering um, as much as you can of what you're going to say. It doesn't matter if you don't say it in exactly the way it's written in the script, but as long as you're covering that ground and yeah. you're kind of relying on the script to help keep the structure right and that it all makes sense and flows. Um, just being relaxed in front of the camera can be a, a huge thing. So just um, taking the time to record a few times 
just so that you're then when you start going in front of a camera you're not scared of the fact that you're looking into a lens and not looking at a person um i personally don't even think about I mean, some people like to think oh i'm talking to another person at the other end of the lens i personally don't i <laughs> go into talking to a camera talking to a camera mode i don't know yeah. um but so I, I i think less about the audience as i'm talking so i don't know each to their own whatever makes you comfortable yeah, I, I think that's kind of like really, you know, really smart. I mean, I basically read something before we started our YouTube channel that I don't know where I read it, but it's kind of like, you know, the first 20 videos you should probably be, you know, embarrassed about or whatever like that. Or you know, maybe obviously there's that old tech thing, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, whatever your first version of your business, when you put it out there, you know, your website, should you should be embarrassed about it down the line. I think it's kind of similar to this, you know, you're trying to figure it out, you know, I'm a big firm believer in that Japanese saying Kaizen, you know, that kind of continuous improvement. So if you could make one small tweak mm. each, each time you do it, hopefully it's getting better. You're kind of learning something every week. I guess, I guess maybe it's a case of not putting too many expectations on yourself. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 99% of the time, people are, are less critical of you than you are of yourself. Mm. And as long as the content is good in terms of what you're talking about, yeah. uh, most people will forgive most mm. uh, problems. As long as you, you know, you're, you've got some, you've, you're set some minimum bars for, you know, being able to be heard, you know, audio quality is much better than picture quality, for example, yeah. it's much more important than picture quality. Uh, people will forgive a slightly you know, grainy picture, for example, if they can hear every word nice and clear. Yeah. So uh, just you know, basic technical stuff. Um, uh, and then as long as you're improving over time, then yeah, you know, people will forgive you those early mistakes because they'll see you getting better and you'll grow your audience as you get better. And that, that audience that grows with you uh, will know you're better than those early videos. So it won't matter so much. Of course. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, like I, um, you know, again, in, in, my, in my personal life here, I should say, you know, I use the yoga with Adrian, <laughs> um, you know, massive sensational. I don't know if you know that Martin, but you know, yoga with Adrian has become like a roaring no. success. It's amazing. She set up probably eight or nine years ago. You know, the concept was home yoga. Um, but, you know, she what she's done is I think she has about nine million subscribers maybe on YouTube. Um, she does like real life events, which is, you know, around the world now. And it's very approachable. But what she started doing was, you know, using, I guess, YouTube as, a, as an SEO tool. You know, she creates like, you know, yoga for back pain, yoga for tennis, yoga for sports injuries, yoga for whatever. And then started to build these 30-day courses as well. So I think she has about five of these 30-day courses online now. And it's great because as a human being, it's very sticky. You know, if I start a 30-day course, I know it's probably only 25, 30 minutes a day. And it's not like a really intense Ashtanga flow where you're coming out sweating and whatever. But it's a really nice thing to do that you know you've done that every day. Um, same like if you have got a specific injury, say tennis, your shoulder, that class will be for that. So... I guess probably, you know, that's, that's been a big thing in terms of, you know, building out something. But the reason I'm mentioning this is that her early videos were really not great. You know, if she's listening right now, sorry, Adrian, but it's kind of true. I think you referenced this, you know, in your own videos and, you know, some of it is, you know, a voiceover and it just looks fairly averagely produced you on a home camera. Whereas now it's almost like Hollywood production, but it's still got that natural flow to it. So it's taken her eight or nine years to get to something which looked very professionally done, really. But I guess that kind of takes time. And maybe just one thing I just want to touch on with this, I just want to get your opinion. So it's on using YouTube for SEO, you know, because they always say YouTube is, you know, for, you know, is almost like a search engine itself. 
for your videos when you put them out there i mean i know you've got your newsletter which you'll share your you know links on you obviously got your social um do you what's your thoughts on the algorithms and stuff on youtube like do you get much discoverability organically from youtube do you put a lot of work into your descriptions or or is it literally being driven by your kind of assets like i'm just interested in knowing if someone was going to put a video on youtube how they should do it for seo uh, you need to make sure that the videos you're publishing are actually things that people will want. And mm. so, uh, so, so if it's something that's really general, um, that you can be too general or you can be too niche. And so if you're really, really niche, then a tiny, you know, virtually nobody will be interested in your, your video. And if it's, if it's really general, then everyone else has videos that will probably rank higher because there are more, uh, more popular people with that with, with videos on that topic. So yeah. I find the videos that do best for me are guides. So guides that are actually uh, you know think how to do things or are um, reviews of something, for example, um, something very specific that there aren't many reviews of. So um, my actually my my most popular video I think um, as we record this is uh, one about uh, newsletters and how to uh, you know, which which newsletter software is best to create an editorial style newsletter and I compare Substack and Review. Yeah. and uh, go through the, the the positives and negatives of both and that that's organically uh, people search for substack or review on youtube and that's because there are other videos out there about it but i don't think there are any other videos directly comparing the two yeah. and so people are drawn to it through that and over time youtube recognizes that and promotes it more in terms of where it ranks in terms of videos it might recommend to people that yeah. kind of thing uh, whereas if it's a video me talking about something twitter has done this week uh, as a bit of analysis then that might need more of a push from uh, me on my other social networks to get people to view it and that might get me a couple of subscribers or two or three subscribers and uh, some likes and a couple of comments yeah. maybe but it won't necessarily be a long-term hit it'll it'll it, its long tail will be very low where the whereas the newsletter or i did a review of uh, pitch the um uh, powerpoint rival um that is uh, a much uh, that's doing better because people search for that over time i guess like you're saying you know that evergreen content is probably going to be something which is useful for, mm. that line, for that long tail and like you said also relevance i guess it's probably a bit like you know when you know i use all sorts of tools for seo if you will do you know for writing blog articles, if you will, but I guess typing into YouTube, seeing what people are actually searching for and looking at some of those guides, maybe seeing if there's a few gaps in the market there in terms of niches you can create. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, very, very interesting. And final question I've got really on some of your tips before we enter our famous rapid fire round, which uh, I'm sure you can't wait for. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, you've got a lot on your plate, you know, but you obviously enjoy it, you know, right? you always got a smile on your face, you know, you've, you're always vibrant and active online. You've obviously got little kids as well. I'm interested, you know, like how do you kind of keep it all together on a weekly basis? You know, like have you got any tips that you use for like a work-life balance or does that not exist <laughs> in terms of life? Like, is there anything you have in your routine that really help you? Um, I mean, it's easier actually. It's easier in the um, less uh, busy in terms of being out and about covid 19 world yeah. um to balance i find anyway i mean a lot of people would say the opposite where you're at home and so you're working at home and uh, your family life's at home and so you can't really 
manage both um, and you find them uh, blurring. But um, I find that it's easier for me to very strictly say, right, time to stop now um, and then go and do family stuff. Um, and then I might need to do a bit of work later on. Yeah. But I, for some reason, find that um, because there's less travel involved, it's a lot easier to manage at that time. Um, if I'm, if, if it's more kind of normal times, as you might say, um, and I'm traveling around, that's where the actual problem comes because the, the, that's where, oh, there's an event I need to go to, or, you know, I've got a meeting and it's overrun and I'm not going to get get home in time or whatever. That's, that's where the problem lies, I think. And so partly it's what I was mentioning earlier. It's around having the, uh, the time slots I put into the day. Um, I yeah. don't like actually filling a, an actual like Google calendar or whatever with at nine o'clock, I'm going to do this at 10 o'clock. I'm going to do this because then your day looks horrible. It, look, it, it looks ugly and foreboding. But yeah. if, uh, if, if you, you've just got a, a text list of I'm going to do this at this time, and then you, you know, you're getting through everything you need to get through. And you know that hopefully you can stop in good time to do whatever you need to do elsewhere yeah. in your life. No, I, I think it's important to kind of make sure you've got that. And that sounds perfect that you've got that distinction, because I think sometimes being an entrepreneur or at least working from home or the like, you know, it can be tempting just to carry on working and think, do you know what I mean? I need to do this or, oh, we're in COVID, let's work all evening or whatever. You know, from what it's worth, I've recently changed up my schedule. So as you know, I tend to be working from, say, 12 noon till 10 p.m., um that works well you know i can have a little break around about half five see the kids for dinner put them to bed about you know for an hour hour and a half um and then i do you know a few more hours after that which is great but it gives me the morning now to get out for a you know a bit of walk you know like maybe a bit of exercise and then it's just a you know it's almost like twisting that day on its head really and saying right you know what are the things i always thought i would do later in the evening but I couldn't be asked really after a busy day of work. It's like, can I do the exercise <laughs> and you know the meditation and like you know get out of the house um, in the morning and then in the evening? You know, what am I missing out on? Watching TV for an hour or two or whatever. So it's kind of like working out well. But I think changing that up and working out what works for you is is so so important as well. Cool. So yeah, I found I found that uh, having a Oh, sorry. No, I, I, I feel that having a an, an hour and a half lunch um, rather than a lunch break of an hour um, seems to work better for me because um, it, it kind of, you know, in the olden days, I'd have been traveling more, which would have eaten up time in my day. But having about an hour and a half lunch rather than an hour when I can justify it, where I don't have too much work, uh, mm. works well for me and helps pace out my day a bit more. Um, so taking time to do nothing is important as well. Well, uh, I'm hoping that hour and a half is like the old lunches of yore in the UK, you know, where bankers would go for a four-hour lunch, <laughs> slap up dinner and everything like that. Well. <laughs> so, uh, they're very nice. I'm looking at, yeah, you're right. You know, you've got to break that time up really and, again, have that. So it sounds like you've got work-life balance down to a T, which is great. Okay, cool. So uh, rapid-fire round is here. So it doesn't have to be too rapid. It doesn't have to be too slow. So it's kind of up to you, you know, feel free to give a little bit of kind of source on this as well. So first off, favorite entrepreneurs and why? Ooh, um, you know, I, I like people who have a passion and really stick with it. People um, who um, they might get knocked back or they might have an experience, uh, but then they, they, they still 
they still push forward whatever happens so um uh, one person who springs to mind uh, just partly because i mentioned him uh, his company earlier uh pitch uh, so christian reber and the people who uh, started uh, six wonder kinder in berlin so they had wonderlist yeah. uh, about te- about 10 years ago they launched that uh, that got acquired by uh, microsoft and they became part of microsoft for a while yeah. um they went they went through the whole vc funded thing before that um and they were they were building this big platform that was going to be a big kind of future of work platform and then uh, what what ended up happening was they went to microsoft and wonderlist ended up uh, getting shut down uh, they moved away uh, from microsoft before that and thought well what can we do next that's in a similar vein and uh, making productivity beautiful and um rethought in a in a new way is basically what they do that's what they did with the to-do list with wonderlist and then they did it with pitch which is uh like powerpoint or keynotes but a much kind of uh cooler version and uh, made for the 21st century made for the 2020s kind of version yeah you're right actually i think there's a lot of software out there as well that needs some kind of loving attention really to make it bit more friendly or human if you will do as well you know design is here is one of those mm. things people should be hopefully building things with great design and you know great ux in mind as well this kind of moves on from this as well so maybe most inspiring person um you know that could be somebody who doesn't have to be in tech or startups you know who would you say is probably one of your most inspiring people out there most inspiring person you know it's really difficult and um, uh, i was worried that when you said um oh quickfire round and i thought don't pre-brief me on these i'll just <laughs> i'll just wing it and it'll be fine if you say most inspiring person, the problem with most inspiring person is it, it immediately brings to mind people like Elon Musk or, you know, uh, people, uh, Steve Jobs or something. But uh, to me, they're cliches. And yeah, they they can be quite inspiring. Um, I think Elon Musk, uh, people pay too much attention to the things he says. You should look at what he does. He does yeah. a lot of very good things, you know, but uh, if people listen to him too much, he all, he's also a bit of an internet troll and, uh, you know, <laughs> t- talks a lot of rubbish as well. Yeah. So focus on what he does rather than what he says. Um, so... Honestly, I, I, I struggle to think of anyone who I think is, oh, they're the most inspiring person um, because uh, I'm inspired by, I suppose, uh, events and articles I read and things like that, as opposed to individual people. So uh, in this case, I'm going to have to say, I don't have an answer to that one. <laughs> That's completely fine. This is why I don't prep people for the rapid fire round because I'd rather have a natural answer than you going, well, Johnny, I spent three hours thinking about this and this is, you know, it's Nelson Mandela again or, or it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, it's got to be that natural. Yeah. If you're inspired by events or inspired by things that are happening from that, that's completely fine. And I, um, I fully agree, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's very kind of like subjective as well. Um, what are maybe some of your favorite business books or even online business resources that you maybe would point, you know, solo entrepreneurs towards or, or people who run, you know, say small startups, but, you know, are obviously kind of ambitious and want to, you know, scale that up over time? Uh, I would say don't read too many business books. I, I'd say business books can be useful, but yeah. I, I think they can, uh, if everyone reads the same business books, like for example, if everyone recommends a certain business book, I generally won't read it. Uh, there are exceptions. I read things like, I don't know, uh, The Lean Startup, for example, because yeah. um, I felt as a tech journalist, I needed to read that book because it was informing the way at the time so many uh, startups were being uh, built. Uh, but generally, I try not to read too many of those kind of books because I think that, um, uh, yeah, if everyone's reading the same books, you get groupthink. Yeah. Um, take inspiration from elsewhere. So uh, I, 
an interesting book, I, I think, for how the world works um, is a, a book about politics, actually. Um, it's uh, uh, called uh, Haven't You Heard by Marie Leconte. It, uh, I think it only came out last year, uh, but it, it's about political gossip and the way that UK politics is shaped by relationships and the way, you know, who drinks at which bars, um, who's friends with who, um, uh, who who has an advantage by sharing a bit of gossip to that person for that reason, based on, you know, something they knew about that person 10 years ago or whatever. And um, once you see just how much that that kind of low level under the surface interaction uh, influences politics, you realize that actually that's the way the world works beyond politics as well it's the way business works it, it, it a lot a lot of the time um it, it's down to all those little under the surface interactions yeah. and uh, so that i suppose has helped me think of the world of work in a slightly different way and and uh, think of human interactions in a slightly different way and uh, i think rather than siphoning off business as this thing and then you know it's part of this bigger world but i need to understand business yeah. as a big lump of stuff um actually it's it's about it's about the world you know and uh, if you if you think inside the business box too much then uh, then yeah that could be very limiting no I, I think that makes perfect sense to be honest Mark. you know i like a contrarian in life for a start anyway so if people do come in and like name you know <laughs> the same business book every week then who knows what we're going to do with that but I agree. You know, I, I think it, it's you know, like you know, a lot of work gets done at the bar at night, doesn't it? You even see it at conferences and stuff. And I think, kind of like you said, there's these kind of like small kind of cliques, if you will, do that form, and, and that's where things actually happen. And you've got to understand life because understanding life is understanding human nature, customers, how to grease the wheels, how to do all sorts of things. You know, almost like you know, get the PR stories or, or you know. Like, get get the word out as well so that is definitely going on our uh, on, on our blog obviously as well as one of our book recommendations i'll make sure that happens so um are there any favorite social media accounts you know that you would recommend as well for entrepreneurs to follow you know like the, you know there's an awful lot of stuff online i mean okay you follow all these things on instagram and it's like top 10 tips for doing whatever but is there any that genuinely stand out that make you think wow you know people should follow those for some you know for some great inspiration I find I, I'm going to be contrarian again. I find uh, entrepreneurial inspiration often a bit of a cliche. I find that uh, it can be um, you know people uh, you know it's 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 no better than uh, those inspirational quotes people hang on their walls um, right. of you know um, dream big, be better, or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and uh, and those are just. Uh, those are just like a, a, a fad and uh, you know it, it's it's one step above um, hanging um, keep calm and carry on on your wall and so it, I think people can, can can draw too much from uh, from from kind of inspiration mm. um, and uh, you, you, you get the same inspiring stories from uh, uh, from everyone um, so I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, be interested in the world. Be interested in uh, in, in far more beyond entrepreneurship uh, yeah. because you can Google something if you need to know it. Um, and uh, But when it comes to inspiration and uh, finding a, 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 a guiding star in the world, um, find those guiding stars outside of um, the pigeonhole of business and entrepreneurship and uh, see the world more broadly and uh, and, and don't, don't be an MBA head. Yeah, I mean, again, good advice. I, I actually name checked this in another <laughs> podcast recently, but 
you know, as you know, I'm a big fan of beer and brew dog as well. And I remember years ago reading something, an interview with them and, you know, brew dogs was fairly big then. I mean, they had like seven or eight bars. Now I think they have a hundred, but I think kind of like they said they would never ever dream of taking inspiration from the beer industry. They take inspiration from other industries, mm. other people, you know, fashion, retail, whatever, because actually they can learn an awful lot from that. You know, they would never go and steal the Heineken playbook, but actually you know, I'm sure there's a few things they borrowed of yeah. the systems they've built, infrastructure, but actually in terms of being able to do, you know, marketing campaigns or things which actually make them stand out, they can borrow an awful lot from the world out there. So I think just having this kind of general, uh, appreciation and knowledge of life is, is so, so important. Um, this is a question that I've got here for you, which ties in maybe to some of the stuff we've just been talking about. So if time was of no significance to you at all, Martin, and you could spend your day doing one thing that would help, you know, that, that you would enjoy, but also help grow your business, what would be that thing? Uh, I would, um, if I could spend my day doing one thing, I would sit down and I would plot out, uh, having said everything I've said, this sounds a bit <laughs> odd, but I would actually spend the time to sit down and I would plan out all my ideal customers to really grow Big Revolution rather than, you know, keep it as a, I suppose, boutique uh, is one way you could say it, uh, uh, operation as it is at the moment and really grow it big. And I would look at, do I have the guts to just focus on one thing. So for example, if I really wanted to grow Big Revolution, I could uh, just turn a whole chunk of what I do into PR and I could frame it as a PR company. I don't want to do that because there are yeah. enough PR companies in the world and I like doing the other stuff. I like the branding side of it. I like all that kind of things. Mm. And so so I, I would... Uh, I would look at what's the biggest business opportunity and then I would spend my time focusing on how would I grow that? And then I would have the guts to just say, I don't care what it looks like or that I'm entering a really busy market already. I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll make sure that I'm going to differentiate myself and really grow this business. And, um, part of me wants to do that. And part of me thinks if I just took the time to go and do that, then, uh, then that would be great. But at the same time, I think um, you've got to go where your soul is. And yeah. um, I, I think while part of me really wants to achieve that, part of me also says, I don't want business success at the um, at the uh, expense of my soul and enjoying what I do and feeling fulfilled with what I do. So uh, yeah. so while I'd quite like to do that and it, and it would grow my business, I don't know if I really will. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you know, this is something which we do at Subkit a lot and, you know, we talk about work-life balance a lot because, you know, that's got to be something that's important. You know, it's it's looking about what you can do to live a more fulfilling life. You know, like how can you build a sustainable business but also make sure that you're actually winning at life. You know, what's the point in working 120 hours to earn 120 grand, say, a year, when actually maybe you could be working 50 or 60 hours to earn 50, 60 grand, you know, and if that's enough to make you live the lifestyle you want to live and, you know, that you're getting fulfillment every day, that's great. Probably working 120 hours a week, you know, I don't even know if that's possible. I'm maybe Jack Maher or someone like that, but <laughs> I think, it, you know, like you would be massively burned out, I think, very, very quickly, I think, on that level. So I think from from that point of view, you know, I think it's uh, it's a good answer, really. You know, I think there are lots of things we all know we could do, but I think if we, it's a bit like YouTube videos. 
you know, I love doing them. I love doing these podcasts, but probably if I did five podcasts a day for two weeks, it might be great for our content. We might be able to kind of, you know, build up this SEO YouTube, but actually I probably would just be in a corner, just rocking back and forward going, I can't speak to anybody ever again or something. <laughs> so I guess it's having that balance. You know, we're, we're all programmed for variety in life. That's, that's kind of what we want, isn't it? You know, we all want something that's mm. actually fulfilling, but you know, give us that variety on a daily basis. Um, I'm interested, again, I maybe, I don't want to prep you on this, but I'm interested to know whether there's been any funny anecdotes that have kind of come about in your life of business. You know, like, is there anything which really stands out? Um, could be for you from a conference you've been, something that was just a humorous moment or something where you've kind of uh, ballsed up, if, uh, if you don't mind me using that term. <laughs> <laughs> something where I've, 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 me I've messed up. Um... I'm trying to think now. I mean, uh, it it happens. Uh, every every everyone has their uh, their, their humorous moments. I'm trying, I'm trying to think um, off the top of my head. I'm sure they exist. Uh, I, I'm I'm sure they exist. But uh, off the top of my head, it's very hard to think of one that uh, that would um, really hit the mark on this one. In fact, it's impossible to think of any whatsoever. Um, so uh, so yeah, uh, I I certainly have. I certainly yeah, have yeah. messed up uh, in humorous ways. Um, but uh, off the top of my head, not so much. Um, Things that have happened at conference. I'll tell you one thing. Um, uh, I remember doing a um, uh, uh, chairing a panel, and I was uh, I was chairing this panel, and it was about a topic that I didn't really understand, which was fine because um, it was quite a deep tech thing, and it was fine because although I normally wouldn't chair a panel about something I didn't understand deeply myself, or at least couldn't research deeply myself, um, in this occasion it was just a favour. Um, could you just go and chair this panel for twenty minutes? Uh, the experts, you know, on stage will know what they're doing, yeah. and so I was sitting there and I was, you know, uh, ready for them to come on, and they came on, and um, I thought, right. This is going to be easy because the audience will have questions. It's a very hardcore technical audience. They understand this yeah. topic very well. The panelists do. I asked the first question. Well, the first problem was two of the four panelists didn't turn up. Right. So we had two panelists. And it turned out that the two panelists who were there were the least talkative people I have ever been on stage with ever. And so I asked the first question. And they answered it in about a sentence each. Yeah. And I tried to get more out of them, and they would. It was like getting blood from a stone. Uh, I asked the second question. It was over in about thirty seconds tops. I asked the audience if they had any questions to liven it up a bit. Dead. Nobody. It, 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 it was, the, the audience was packed, but but completely silent. Yeah. We wrapped up this probably half hour slot in about five minutes that, that is my my ultimate fear in uh, in moderating panels is that uh that, that somehow we won't have enough to say and it always works out fine and it's yeah. great i've never had that problem ever before or since um uh, and uh, so if you're watching this and you want me to moderate a panel please do you know i, I i'm good honestly but on this one occasion it was that one in a million situation where the panelists didn't want to be there the audience seemingly weren't actually into it at all even though it was dedicated to a topic they were interested in and it was completely 
rubbish so yeah i i literally took the uh, step of um annoying the uh, event organizers by saying uh, right we're going to wrap up there and so uh so because literally there was nothing else to do so uh, so that's probably the the one occasion i can think of uh something that um that's an event has gone really badly yeah no, i think that 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 that's completely fine i think that is a good anecdote to be honest martin i think you know uh I think it's always interesting because, you know, we, we all have to think on our feet very much. To, uh, you know, I was, I was interviewing Monica, who runs um, Spice Club and Chick Shack, you know, really um, high quality, you know, Indian food service and, and social media presence. And she used to do the supper clubs at her house pre-COVID. And, um, you know, they would always uh, send out the address 24 hours in notice. And we, when we were chatting recently about this, she went, you know, she was doing all the prep work the night before. She sent out the addresses that night, you know, like, this is where you're going to come for the Secret Supper Club. And the uh, one couple turned up fully dressed up at their house the night early, just just fully ready to kind of enjoy a really nice night of Indian food with full of people. <laughs> she was just like, oh, it's tomorrow night, you know. <laughs> just, uh, had to turn these people away. So it wasn't like an illegal rave, you know, where they, uh, you know, you get texted the address right then. You know, it was literally like, yeah, you've got 24 hours. It's a secret supper club, you know, where, you know, it's uh, for yourself. Yeah, there's all <laughs> interesting stories I think people are going to have where, you know, we've all had a, a slight setback, but you've got to think on your feet, you know, and, and kind of do that. A um, couple more questions. So, um if someone was thinking about taking the plunge and just creating their own business or starting out from scratch, you know, what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, I would, I would say, and I know this is, this is, this sounds trite, but just do it. Like literally just um, don't, don't worry about it. Um, and uh, stop, uh, stop thinking there's a, there's a definite way to do everything. Yes. There's a definite way to file your tax return or whatever, but uh, as long as you've got a decent accountant, um, then, uh, th then that'll be, that, that'll be fine. But everything else um, aside from anything legal uh, or financial, um, there's no, way of doing it that is the way of doing it and yeah. um so find your own way of doing it um and and just just get on with it because uh because i i think what scared me off doing it for too long was thinking that i'd get something wrong and there would be a wrong way of doing things yeah and i think the only thing that i have struggled with and i've got a lot better with um, in more recent times but early on i struggled with talking about pricing and talking about money mm. and uh feeling like it was an imposition to ask pe ask people for money even though i was doing work for them yeah um and uh, uh i i that, that that's where i've grown over time and that was the um that was probably the thing where i just had to do it and get on with it uh even though i yeah i, I had to learn that there was no obvious way of doing that and no defined way of doing that and you just had to get on and sort it out yourself yeah, i guess yeah got to pay the bills as well <laughs> but but like you said everybody's kind of on this journey <laughs> like it's uh you know everybody is is got to figure it out for themselves which which is so important like you said you know i think there's a lot of this that ties into the conversation we've had today about you know there's certain tools for doing this or there's business advice over here or books but i guess you've got to take in what you can take in and then get on with it really in your own vision and, and pick up stuff and pick up the slack as in when you need to, you know, if you need to work out how to do something, whether that's SEO, doing a YouTube channel, whatever, there's going to be some guides out there, but you've got to do that. And then also work on the technical side of the business as well, you know, all the admin. Then while you're here, Martin, 
it would be uh, really, you know, upsetting to me being a tech geek not to actually ask you as well and maybe put you on the spot as well for all of our listeners and viewers about what you see to be the, the 2021 tech trends or maybe even some of those trends that are going to be happening for a few years. I mean, we started off this call by saying COVID has disrupted things in a big way. I'm interested to know what your thoughts are about what these trends are going to be. Yeah, I, th I think that uh, the the whole remote work thing is going to continue, um, even as people start to go back to offices. I think um, that's it's just a, a fact of life that people like to do some work from home now. Um, and uh, I, I think what will be interesting to see which model of blending home and office working works best because i think that companies will try different things um i think uh, i saw recently that google is planning some kind of uh um uh, work x percent of time in the office x percent at home kind of approach uh, you're seeing um oracle has been saying uh, they're going to be a lot more flexible about where people work for example you know yeah. you can work anywhere in the us if you're a us employee for example that kind of thing um so but we'll see i think over time a lot of the problems that uh, people have around ah yes but what if they change my pay because i moved to a, a less um market area you know that's not really fair is it kind of those kind of disputes and problems will shake themselves out but i where what i think is interesting most interesting is the kind of tech tools we'll see so for example slack uh, has been very popular uh, and zoom has been very popular but there are a million little things that they don't do uh, and holes they don't fill um, and uh, uh, things they don't quite uh, solve for people so there will be loads of different services that will emerge yeah. um, i was hearing for example that um uh, the web summit when they held their most recent event um their their lisbon web summit ostensibly but uh, obviously it was it was remote um uh, in 2020 uh, they got online networking really right so the idea of being kind of speed dating so it's something that hopin does as well that we mentioned yeah. earlier so uh, where you know you're, you're you're at a you're logged into an online event but you can get chatting to somebody um now i've been scared off doing this so far because I, I i do i really want to sit here for half an hour chatting to random people um not really because i don't you know i don't know who they are and i prefer the real life networking of you're standing next to somebody in a queue for some food or whatever and you just get talking yeah. and uh, it's a chance encounter but apparently from the feedback i saw online people really liked the way the web summit did it and uh, they got they got talking to some really interesting valuable people because their algorithm in the background matched them up with really interesting people right. so i think we'll see things like networking uh, inter interpersonal networking solved um so it's those kinds of things that i'm looking for to see definitely i think that makes a lot of sense you know i think it's been quite painful some of the stuff online we've done it kind of makes you glad for the for the offline stuff that we were doing in real person before before covid but i guess probably the counterbalance is maybe a happy medium like you said starting off with about the home office and working from home and then also you know maybe not having to go to so many real life events because there's some kind of thing solved but then maybe looking forward to the other events that happen in real life a lot more you know like maybe being a bit more picky and choosy about the things obviously that we want to commit our time to like you said earlier on there's no point in just spending all of your time commuting to something when it really the you know the payoff could be that you could have done it at home but actually if there was something that you were really looking forward to whether that's going to slush or something or whatever that might be something that's really in your calendar because you go <laughs> i can't miss out on that so uh i'm just also interested to follow up question on this um 
obviously there's going to be a lot of people that are unemployed, unfortunately, you know, coming out of COVID, you know, you read mm. recently, you know, recession is happening. There is, okay, there was be some kind of rebound, you know, a lot of pent up consumer demand that's going to be out there if this vaccine does work. But do you think really the government is going to, you know, and I mean, like say world governments, when I mention this, uh, obviously we're both based in the UK. Do you think there will be much government support for entrepreneurs to to go out there and do it themselves? You know, do you think there'll be mass, um, you know, schemes, training schemes, you know, like that's, that's aimed at entrepreneurs? Or do you think they'll just revert to type and try and help industry again? You know, I'm just interested to know whether you've heard much about support for entrepreneurs coming out. It does. Well, it, it doesn't feel like it, does it? Um, mm. uh, in in the UK, there hasn't been that much for the smaller entrepreneurs. Um, there's been you know, some some smaller people who work for themselves have had nothing. Um, yeah. So, and uh, I'm certainly not hearing anything out of the states that uh, that suggests that now um, uh, with a uh, a new administration, maybe that would change. But uh, I I, you know, I I can't see that that so much. Uh, it, it really depends because um, in the end. I think even though more people are probably working for themselves through necessity yeah. uh, to an extent um, when there isn't as much employment around, um, I think a lot of people like the reassurance of uh, knowing that there's going to be uh, a paycheck every month and, yeah. uh, and and all of that and the kind of uh, sense of working for somebody. Um, yeah. uh, so while I think we'll see more entrepreneurs than we used to have, and I think we'll probably be a sizable chunk more because people realize that actually being more flexible and doing your own thing is quite appealing. Yeah. Um, will there be more support? Uh, I've not seen anything that indicates there will be, which, which, which is a shame, but yeah. uh, maybe over a longer term that may change just because entrepreneurs get more of a voice because there are more of them. I think you're right. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Maybe not direct government support to start off with, but actually, probably we're going to get to a point where out of necessity, people are going to have to create their own jobs or, you know, to go right back to the start, it's called side hustles, side gigs, or even just doing something because yeah. a job or even a job just doesn't exist, whether that's locally or in their kind of, you know, industry. So it's going to be very, very interesting. These kind of times, you know, it's going to be really interesting next few years. And, and again, you know, like mass disruption is happening, mass changes, but you know, it's going to be very, very interesting. I think, you know, it's, it's almost like a, I guess, wartime situation, but without giant bombs falling out of the sky, which are, <laughs> you know, disrupting infrastructure. So yeah, very, very interesting. So Martin, I just want to say mm. a very big thank you uh, for obviously joining us today. Uh, you know, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, remind everybody where they can get in touch with you. So uh, obviously you've got your social channels and website. Where can they find you to uh, yeah, obviously touch base with you? Uh, so, uh, yeah, on, on social media, you find me on Twitter at Martin SFP. In fact, I'm Martin SFP everywhere. Um, so, you know, on whatever social network uh, you're looking at, um, uh, find me there. Um, and then on the web, uh, bigrevolution.net and martinbryant.net. Right. Brilliant. There we go. Amazing. And thanks very much as well for joining us today, Martin. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining the Go Solo show and we'll catch up with you soon. Cheers. Take care. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit. We hope you've had a great time and picked up many new ideas for your own business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at team underscore go solo. 
If you're inspired to get started on your own enterprise yourself, then check us out at subkit.com. We're here for whenever you're ready. I've been Johnny Quirk, and until next time, keep winning.